Can you think of a movie that you really like, but you know it's not all that good? And even though you know it's not great, you still enjoy watching it? I have a few movies like that, but there's one film in particular where I'm not the only one. I'm not alone. Lots of people like this not-so-great movie. It was released in 1985, and if you look it up on Rotten Tomatoes, that website that rates all the movies, well, the critic score is a failing grade, only at 38%. The audience rating, it gives it a passing score of 79%. Any guess as to which movie it is? I'll tell you the answer coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Rayner. Happy Thursday to you here in this first week of Lent, and I hope your Lent is off to a good start here. And, uh, you know, you, you might have just heard Father Rocky's Lenten lesson on the Mass there. If you haven't signed up for those, it's not too late. Go sign up. You can do that at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. And along with the audio version that you just heard, there's a text version. There's also a video version of that, too. Uh, it's it's goes kind of beyond what you hear daily in those Lenten lessons. And uh, it's absolutely free. All you have to do is sign up at our website, again, relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Just send through your email address, and those will be emailed to you every day throughout Lent. So what is that movie, that really bad, good movie? (laughs) So some of the movies that came out that same year, 1985, The Goonies, The Color Purple, Cocoon, Fletch, there was a James Bond film, A View to a Kill, and Back to the Future. Back to the Future was the top-grossing film of that year. And then coming in right behind it, Sylvester Stallone actually starred in both the number two and the number three highest-grossing movies of that year. Number two for box office revenue was Rambo First Blood Part Two, and the number three highest-grossing movie for 1985 it opened over Thanksgiving weekend, Rocky Four. Rocky Four is that guilty pleasure of mine. And the critics panned it, but audiences loved it, including me. If you haven't ever watched it, I'm not I'm not recommending it. Like I say, it's not a great movie, but I have fun every time I see it. And it's mainly because it has this definitely kind of mid-80s, uh, over-the-top portrayal of Russia and the Soviet Union being all evil, and then everything about America is just kind of pure and good. And probably my favorite scene in the movie is this really long montage where Rocky is training to fight against the Soviet boxer. The Soviet boxer's name is Ivan Drago. Even that sounds menacing. And so Rocky, he is out in this old log cabin In the middle of nowhere in Russia, he's surrounded by snow for miles and miles. Drago, on the other hand, he is in this state-of-the-art training facility. He is running on indoor tracks. He's using the latest weightlifting and exercise machines, along with getting injections of what it's implied to be, probably, anabolic steroids. So, you know, he's got all of this technology and even kind of, you know, this cheating aspect. All while Rocky, he's running through deep snow. He's chopping wood. He's lifting heavy rocks. He's repurposing old farm equipment for exercising, getting himself ready to, to fight against Drago. And so you have this kind of pioneer spirit of America shining through as Rocky's training there. And the movie is not long. Rocky IV is only 90 minutes. In fact, an hour and 27 minutes in, that's where the credits start to roll. 
very short runtime. But that training montage with Rocky and Drago, it goes on for over nine minutes. There's this really brief interlude in the middle of it, this scene with Rocky and his wife, Adrian. But it goes over ninety or, or, or over nine minutes of the ninety minutes of the movie, ten percent of that total movie runtime. Then the final fight, the boxing match, that has another montage that runs for another three or four minutes. There, it's just montage, montage, and no surprise, Rocky, the American, he wins against the menacing Soviet boxer. And while it might maybe a bit campy, a bit cheesy. Even the first time I watched it, you know, I expected Rocky to win, but they do a good job in building up the suspense there in the boxing match. Now, the thing is, Rocky, he knew he was going to go into the ring. He knew he was going to have to fight. He knew that that, that opposition, that, that battle was coming. He didn't know necessarily exactly how his opponent would come at him, but he knew that there was going to be the, the back and forth. This is kind of similar to us in the spiritual life. Since you and I, we are followers of Jesus. If we are striving to grow in holiness, if we're trying to avoid sin, then because of this, it is a certainty that we will face some sort of spiritual attacks at different points in our life. In that movie, if Rocky hadn't taken the time to train, if that character didn't get ready for his fight, can you imagine how badly things would have ended? The reason that Rocky comes out victorious is because he took all that time to plan ahead, to train, to be ready. So if we, as Jesus' disciples, if we know that we're going to come up against battles in our spiritual life, can you imagine how those battles will end badly if we don't take the time to prepare? If we do prepare, well then, we can have that hope that we will come out victorious. And that sounds great, but it also raises a question. How do we prepare? How do we prepare for those moments of spiritual battle? How can we ready ourselves for spiritual warfare? And this is what we want to talk about today on The Inner Life. And our spiritual director for the hour is Father Sam Martin. He is a regular voice here on The Inner Life. He's a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin, pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin. Father Martin, welcome back to The Inner Life. Oh, it's good to be with you, Josh. Happy Lent to you and all our listeners. And, uh, boy, you set that one up well. I've got James Brown uh, in my head right now. Uh, <laughs> yep, you know. living in America. <laughs> Apollo Creed. I mean, it's, uh, that's a great way to kind of set up this topic of uh, spiritual you know, battle, warfare, whatever you call it. So thank you. Well, I'm glad you're here with us to be able to talk about this. You know, a very important topic. And, you know, as I started off by saying we want to be prepared— I want to make sure that we have the right outset, you know, that, that it's, it's not just looking and saying, okay, what can I do by myself to get myself ready, you know? And this is a theme that we talk about continually here on The Inner Life, you know, that it shouldn't ever be me alone, but looking at how can I rely on Christ? Because if we're, if we're going to do this on our own, we're only going to fail. Uh, the only hope of success in spiritual warfare is complete reliance on Christ, you know, his power, his strength. So uh, as we talk about this, maybe you can, uh, you know, kind of open that up for us. We, we obviously have to do something. How do we understand that kind of balance of trusting fully, relying fully on God, but then what we should be doing to prepare ourselves? Yeah, the Gospels are such a beautiful expression of who Jesus is. I mean, the whole first half of each Gospel is essentially, you know, that who do people say that I am? So once they kind of come to grips with 
that this man is the Messiah. He's the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. And then they start to recognize that the divinity, you know, that this is God, God's only son, that he calls uh, God his father. And so they, there's this uh, awakening that happens in them. And then the second half of the very clear theme is that I'm going to suffer. They're going to kill me. And if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to suffer. You're going to have to embrace your cross. And, and, and there are going to be a lot of struggles in the world. You will have trouble, but do not fear. So this becomes the, you know, he has to clarify what kind of Messiah he's going to be. He's going to be a suffering servant. He starts to point to that uh, prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53, and he's going to be the one that is the, you know, like the sheep led to the slaughter, the, you know, that didn't open its mouth. And he's going to accept this, and he's going to die on a cross forgiving the people that have done it to him to atone for our sins, not his. He's innocent. He's the unblemished lamb. So, so you have this already that he's helping people to know this is who I am, and this is what it's going to cost for you to follow me. And this is the price that I'm willing to pay so that this gospel can be preached until the end of the world. And so it has been, and so it will be. And you can even hear there's like a, you know, a key change, if you will, later in that first century, because I suppose that, you know, they after Jesus' empty tomb, and he's ascending into heaven, and sending the Holy Spirit, and they just there's this honeymoon. I mean, there's this great opportunity to really feel the good news that it is. I mean, it, it's always been good news. You know, we were made by God for God, and the time in between is going to be bumpy. Uh, but even so, that uh, we have a happy beginning. Even original sin is there, but even before that was original innocence. So where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So a happy beginning and a happy ending. Potentially. This isn't a sure thing. People said, have you been saved? Well, yes and no. I mean, Jesus did enough to save me, but I have to cooperate. I have to engage this life and these battles, and I'm going to need to have to, you know, any kind of preparation, any kind of formation I can receive is going to help me. So the early church, I mean, I suppose uh, things were going along swimmingly, and then all of a sudden the persecution starts. The the Jewish establishment, the people that are are envious of this, threatened by this, he's destroying the temple. I mean, he's Everything that he's done is, is, I can't believe, I mean, that this guy is, even after death, is still having this impact. So uh, you, Paul is one of them, rounding up Christians until he has his conversion. So by the end of the first century, they're realizing that his return at the end of the age is not imminent. So we're going to have to buckle down here a little bit. And you can hear that in the church. St. John was writing from Patmos, who's you know in prison, and recognizing that this is going to be a, a long battle. Uh, the war is over, but there'll be many battles for each of us to engage. And so, first, I think is you know that this is not a come on in and, and uh, it's going to be easy street. As soon as you become Christian, you sure. expect no 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 difficulty. So Jesus has to convince us of that, and that's for all of us an ongoing conversion. And I think sometimes we just get caught off guard, like this person is is saying this about me, or or I'm feeling opposition here. Or, there's the vision over. I mean, no, that, that can't happen. I mean, we're in the church. We're Christian. We should all get along. And yes, we should, <laughs> but many times we don't. And there's the evil one. I mean, that, so the temptations that Jesus fights and conquers, uh, those are the ones that we're going to, the world, the flesh, the devil, those are the things that we have to, um, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. An ounce of uh, prevention is worth a pound of cure. So the church will prescribe things as a good mother as a good teacher, you'd be doing yourself a favor to prepare yourself in these ways. So when the evil one comes, when temptation, when you might fall to serious sin, you'll know to turn to Christ. You know, that was the old um, adage, I guess, you know, if, no, 
if in life you reach a hopeless end, turn to God, to Christ, and you'll have an endless hope. And he's the one, a hope that does not disappoint. So I don't know if that sets it up. Uh, This is a great topic, Josh. And I feel like, you know, Lent, we just engage it more sincerely because I think God permits that. He's allowing us to grow. There are going to be some struggles that are such a beautiful preparation, not just for Easter, but for eternal life. Well, you know, as you're talking about that, that cooperation that is, you know, we're called to be a part of there in our spiritual lives. But at the same time, when we face those those difficulties, those obstacles, that spiritual, uh, you know, battle that we come up against, relying on Christ fully, one of the places that I remember reading, I don't know, probably 20, 25 years ago, and it really stuck out to me, is uh, this kind of little referenced letter of St. Jude, you know, right before the book of Revelation, the Apocalypse that St. John gives us, this little letter, and he has a quick little sentence where he says, the archangel Michael, when he argued with the devil in a dispute over the body of Moses, which is interesting of itself, that could be a whole other show, uh, but it says, you know, the archangel Michael did not venture to pronounce a reviling judgment upon Satan, but he said, may the Lord rebuke you. And so if St. Michael, this angelic warrior, if he doesn't want to go toe-to-toe with Satan, but if he is relying on the power of Jesus, if he says the Lord rebuke you, that also should be a very clear indication for us on how we should approach this in our own lives. Right. I mean, of course, you know, uh, you get closer to God, you become more uh, childlike, innocent. And sure. one time I saw it was a, an artist reproduction of St. Michael, and he had the face of a little boy. Uh, it would be like God to have an army of children, right, because he's not into power, and, and usually the devil is, is depicted by grotesque power, and of course it's all uh, the sort that corrupts and makes a mess of things, and that's what the devil is. And uh, But for us to think that we could handle him, I mean, I suppose many of us have to go through that, that we, uh, we kind of rise up, and I can, you know, there's a beautiful... Uh, seen in the Passion of the Christ years ago, you know, the, and Jesus is taking up his cross, and the devil's right there, and the Blessed Virgin Mary sees that the devil has, you know, some evil intentions, and so that actually inspires her. The maternal part of her uh, rallies that she's going to walk with her son on this terrible path that's going to lead to his inevitable death, but because she sees the threat against her son. And so I think that God is... Um, in his own wisdom, he permits these weeds in our wheat field. He allows the devil. He, we would blow the devil up. We'd be done with him. I mean, just like, why don't you just get rid of evil? You know, I mean, put it. But that's not the way that Jesus, he moves the devil into the pigs. He, you know, he drives them out, but he never destroys. You know, it just seems that he's a creator. But what is he going to do in the end? We know there'll be this great chasm, this great separation of good and evil, light and darkness. But right now there's a mix, and it's in us too. And uh, that's where... Lent is an invitation to allow the Lord to lead us within to those dark spaces, those dark uh, things that, you know, can lead us astray, and to let the light shine and begin to heal that. Uh, That's why repentance is such a a necessary thing that um, every one of us, we have to confront. You know, there was a movie about St. Jose Maria, There Be Dragons, and it was the idea that every one of us, we have to, you know, fight demons, uh, thoughts, feelings, desires, that where do they come from? Well, from the evil one, right? But we uh, are given the medicine in Christ, you know, preeminently in the Eucharist, 
that will begin to help us, not to fight, you know, mano a mano, if I just get strong and I can, this is a, a recipe for spiritual pride and uh, the kind of rugged independence that, you know, Adam and Eve wanted, and every one of us, uh, in our own way, we probably want to do it, so then I don't need any help. Well, we will always need a Savior. Every one of us before God, we are beggars, and we depend on the gift of his mercy. But we can engage it. We can cooperate. There are ways for human beings not to just sit back and say, well, he's going to save me. You know, just wait here till the Lord takes care of it. No, no. He says, why do you stand there idle all day? You know, you put your hand to the plow. Don't look back. Uh, if you love me, then keep my commandments. And the new commandment is love one another as I have loved you. So uh, the beginning of the spiritual life is the recognition that there is good and evil. And I choose the good. And that good made me, loves me, is going to help me. And I need the help. And I'm okay with that. I'm not too proud to admit it. I avail myself of that help on a regular basis. Uh, so many people don't. And they, I don't know, I mean, we're not to judge, but um, sometimes people come to God in a crisis. Many times it's the suffering, it's the brokenness that, Lord, I can't do it. And then finally we say our first sincere prayer. If you're real, Lord, I need you now. And there have been many beautiful stories. of. Uh, so uh, for those of us, for whatever reason, we've gotten to that point and we've begun uh, now it's the task of uh, perseverance and uh, and being forgiving to imitate Jesus, uh, you know, in a way that He loves sinners, including the one that we see in the mirror right. every morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Father uh, Father Sam Martin is our spiritual director here on the Inner Life today. He is the pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin. Today we're talking about spiritual warfare, those spiritual attacks that we will encounter in our lives. What have you done to prepare yourself? so that you can stand strong against those, so that you can turn to and rely upon the strength of Christ, God working in those moments. Uh, how has God helped to protect you, maybe in the past, in some of those moments where you did experience that spiritual attack? Or maybe you have a question about spiritual warfare. You'd like to call in and speak with Father Sam Martin. The phone number into the studio is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Uh, need to go to a break in just a moment, but before we do, Father, you know, kind of along those lines of preparing ourselves, when you are kind of under the the you know the planning the strategy aspect of a battle you look at where are the weak points of my opponent and where you know that's going to be exactly what satan is looking for us and he probably knows us better than we know ourselves he knows those weakest points those areas where he can attack us and have the greatest impact how do we identify those weak points in ourselves? You know, how do we kind of uh, put, put, put up a better resistance in some of those areas where the weakness might be, uh, you know, that, that Satan can get in there? The great thing about prayer is that it allows us to, in a way, kind of put our guard down, to not be something that we're, you know, we don't have to wear a mask or put up a facade. I mean, the Prayer that is from the heart is a, a vul, very vulnerable thing. It allows us to be naked without shame. That I hear my struggle. I'm aware of my limitations. That's the, you know, the Lord. He has to help people as He calls us, 
uh, it's not because we're so great. It's there are particular weaknesses that he's well aware of, and he wants to identify those. The, the devil's the accuser, so he likes to beat us over the head with our weaknesses. But in fact, these are wounds that uh, only God can heal, and many of these wounds keep us close to God. They really become a blessing because we recognize how necessary prayer is. And as we allow the Lord to love us and to show, reveal who we really are to ourselves, uh, then, you know, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So the beauty of prayer in the sacramental life is that the Lord helps us to accept who we are. That's not a recipe for complacency, anything but it. But it, it's really important. I think so many of us, we know in our head that God loves us, but we really haven't experienced it. So this Eucharistic revival and a lot of the things that the church as a mother wants us to to allow God to do, I mean, so many times I just see people that are fighting about their, you know, their own struggles, and I gotta beat this. I want to be done. I want to be a saint by next week. I mean, I just this is taking too long. And I said, well, the first week of the spiritual exercises, Saint Ignatius wants you to know that God loves you. I mean, do you know that? I mean, did you miss that? Because that's really important. And out of that love, now there's this desire. I mean, it's incentivized our desire to be good. Like God, you love me in a way that. You make me want to be a better person, more grateful, more humble, more like you, forgiving others and, and not giving up on myself. This, it seems to me, is the, the great conversion of heart that's so necessary. Uh, I was blessed to make those spiritual exercises a long time ago, and when I was asked, you know, like, 30 days of silence, well, what did you learn? I said, well, God loves me. Uh, <laughs> you didn't know that before? I said, that's good. I did yeah. and I didn't. I mean, I, you know, I think it's the hardest thing for human beings to to grapple with, that he loves me. He can't. I mean, not this part of me. Not. I mean, I get that he has to love everybody because he's God, but I don't think he really cares. About, he, and this is where a lot of people in their brokenness, uh, when they go through addiction or they're in prison or they really bottom out, that they feel that, I think God loves sinners. Mm-hmm. St. Therese, the great story about Pranzini, who was going to die and he was unrepentant, and so she prayed and prayed and prayed, and he, the last second before he's put to death by the state, he reaches out and grabs the priest's crucifix and kisses it. And when she got word of that later, she smiled. Mm-hmm. She knew that it's true. Yeah, I love that loves, story. He loves sinners. And yeah. if he loves sinners, that means he loves me. So, And that's the good news. And it's always personal, just like that. Father Sam Martin, our spiritual director on The Inner Life. We do need to take a short break, but we'll be right back as we continue talking about spiritual warfare here today on The Inner Life. And maybe you have a question about how you can prepare yourself for those attacks, about what you might be able to do when you know that you're dealing against that spiritual oppression in your life. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Back in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com slash Gregory. That's relevantradio.com slash Gregory. Welcome back to The Inner Life with Josh Raymond. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. Welcome back to The Inner Life, and glad to have you along for this hour as we're talking today about the reality of the spiritual realm and that fight of good versus evil, how we encounter that in our own lives. If we are following Christ, if we are doing the good, 
there's going to be that evil that is working against us. We're going to have that spiritual warfare that we come up against. And what have you done in your life to prepare yourself for that? What are some of the ways that you have tried to make sure that you stay close to Christ, that you don't fall into those areas of temptation? Um, maybe you have a question about spiritual warfare, and you'd like to talk with our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, and you're welcome to call in. The number is 888-914-9149, Father, you know, as we talk about ways that we might encounter spiritual warfare, there's also the fact that we can open ourselves up. You know, it would be very obvious if we're dealing with anything that is of the occult, if we, you know, show some sort of fascination in witchcraft, sorcery, you know, things that that are very, very apparently not associated with Christ. But then there's also areas where it could be a little more subtle. Some of the music that we listen to, some of the movies that we watch, and I I love movies. I started off the the hour talking about a movie that I enjoy. You know, so I'm I'm not trying to say that, you know, media or entertainment are all evil or that they're all wrong. But there can be certain things that might open up where we make ourselves more susceptible to a spiritual attack. Can you kind of give us some insight on that? Yeah, that's the idea of, I think Pope Francis talks about not dialoguing with evil. You know, it's not a game, it's poison, and you handle it with care if you have to handle it at all, right? So some things are inescapable. You just have to kind of close your mind and heart to them because they're around. You know, in the workplace, if people use rough language or tell them, you know, dirty jokes and things like that, you try to, you know, just be careful about, you know, because you put junk in and junk comes out. Oscar Wilde wrote this book, The Picture of Dorian Gray, and probably it's autobiographical. And in there, this guy reads a bad book, and it puts these terrible ideas, and boy, he's affected by it. I mean, he learns how to manipulate people to get what he wants when he wants it, and that leads him down a dark, corridor that takes him years to kind of, you know, overcome that. So uh, bad ideas have bad consequences. And any one of us that, you know, if you listen to certain music, it, it makes you aggressive, much more aggressive. I mean, when I was in the weight room, it wasn't going to be like, you know, Enya with Orinoco Flow or something. It has to be hard driving music and that. you got to be careful because it can make us aggressive in a way that is not helpful. It, it, uh, all of a sudden we uh, they can become proud, arrogant, and these sorts of things. So music, movies, things that affect our mind also get into our heart. And uh, people say, well, it's not that bad. Or, well, see, that's where we dialogue with evil. Like, well, just a little bit won't hurt. Or everybody does it. Or, yeah, but if it's, um, you know, I think that as we pursue Christ and the spiritual life, there'll be a recognition that those things don't coexist. You know, I used to do that. didn't have any problem with it. But And it's amazing how we change even on a natural level. You go back to something that you once enjoyed and you watch it or listen to it, you're like, gosh, I'm not in the same place anymore. And then sometimes you blush at the things that you just didn't see. Like we had a moral blind spot that was bigger and it's, you know, kind of closed as the years have gone by. Our filter is better about those things aren't good for me. I know that now. And that helps us, I think, in our own examination of conscience to also be patient and uh, but also persistent with others to say that that's not good for you. I've had people point these things out to me, and it always stings at the time that, you know, you really shouldn't, that's not going to lead you to Christ. I mean, you can't, you know, do this one-hour thing on Sunday, we call the Mass, and then go out there and then live like that. I mean, there's going to be this incongruity, and those things can't coexist. So dialoguing with evil, you know, making those little rationalizations, 
That's where the Lord will help us. The Holy Spirit will identify that. And it's not all in one fell swoop, you know. So sometimes we start to grow, have our own conversion. We want to go around and fix everybody. Well, you know, the Lord had a way of loving sinners and that kind of brought about an epiphany. I mean, whatever he happened at dinner with Zacchaeus, I mean, he comes out and says, I have defrauded. I mean, I've lived a terrible life, and I don't want to anymore. And that begins now, here, today. And that's not because Jesus came in there and just started wagging the finger. He must have treated him in a way that awakened something that was dormant. It almost seemingly died inside of Zacchaeus' heart, but it was still there, and the Lord could see it. Now, he's Jesus. We're not. But if we spend more time with Jesus, that will happen, you know, in the way we treat people, challenging them, but with real love. You know, the truth, well, they used to say that love builds the bridge and then truth comes across. So first we see the dignity of each person, love them in a way that then they become aware of and available. They become able to, to receive that truth, which will set them free. So, But we always, you know, Lent, uh, like St. Francis of Assisi, you know, I'm not, not asking the Lord to change the world or to change others. Change me. Make me an instrument of your peace. And that's what God did, and that's a good place for us to start, too. Father Sam Martin, our spiritual director, and again, the phone number, if you would like to call in and be a part of the program, 888-914-9149. Maybe you have a question about spiritual warfare, about that that battle that ra- uh, rages in the spiritual realm between good and evil, and you'd like to speak with Father Martin, 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Salvador, who's calling in, listening in California. Hi, Salvador. Welcome to The Inner Life. Uh, good morning. Uh, yes. Uh, I have a question. Um, my wife and I have been experiencing, um, since last Friday morning, like 2 o'clock in the morning, some evil things, uh, spiritual. I don't know what it is, if it's a bad or, or a soul in, in, uh, that is having uh, looking for somebody to pray for them, or is it somebody evil getting into my house. Um, do I have time to explain a little bit what happened? Or should I, my question was, is, is there a prayer that my wife and I can use while we're, you know, blessing our house with holy water? Uh, to sure. Yeah. And Salvador, you know, it's a great question because it, it, it is a, a very real thing. Um, we do have a lot of callers. So yeah, I want to let Father Martin respond to you. But Father, if there is something where, you know, you have you have something that seems just out of the ordinary happening in your home. What's the best way to ensure that, you know, if there is some sort of demonic presence there, that that has been purged from your home, that you know that your house has been blessed properly? Yeah, you can just start by having holy water or blessed salt, or, you know, and I always think take it incrementally, you know, so go around and, you know, you can say Psalm 68 is a a famous one to drive out any sort of unwanted uh, presence, or St. Michael the Archangel prayer. They used to, you know, typically when they do, uh, you know, a house blessing, they'll say it in Latin, and they'll do the, the original version, the longer version. But anyway, I would just start with that. And if that doesn't work, then you call a priest, and they'll come. Usually they'll have two priests come so that, uh, you know, uh, no demons attached to the priest or whatever. And then they say their little prayers, typically the holy water, and that almost always is enough to drive away these kind of presences that who knows what brings them. And uh, Salvador, you, you're not, you know, you're doing the right thing by asking, you know, just for advice. So that is a, shows a humility and a genuine desire. I don't want to know what this, uh, you know, I don't have some weird curiosity. No, nope, just don't want them here. 
and uh, if they need prayers, that's you know also covered by these sorts of uh, deliverance prayers. So maybe just you know look and see if you have some holy water and say some prayers yourselves. And if that doesn't have any impact, I wouldn't wait very long. Then you call a priest, and they'll probably come on over and bless the house. And typically, that's enough because um, the Lord doesn't want us to have to endure this stuff too long either. Thanks for the call, Salvador. Uh, Father, let's get uh, one more call in here before we have to go to our next break. Anne is listening in New Jersey. Anne, glad to have you here on the air. Yes, happy to be on. Yes, thank you. Basically, a person like myself, like I suffer from anxiety and depression all my life, and I do get professional help and all that, and I am a practicing Catholic and all, but I feel that this is probably also, it feels like spiritual warfare, because it depresses and it, it holds you captive in thoughts that are really not real. You know, um, I don't know. So I don't know, you know, besides regular therapy and medicine and, and all that, it's really horrible. To, it's really a lot of suffering when you go through the, something like this. Like I've had a lot of loss recently and just changes in life. And so right now I'm going under this, you know, this uh, t- um, time. So I think I think it's also partially maybe spiritual warfare oh it's not sure because we're body and soul that spiritual part is is always the overlap we can't where does one begin and the other end so they just were talking about saint Diphna is the patron of anxiety and helping people and so the communion of saints but also i think that if we can be vulnerable with someone that we can share you know that i'm as a priest i have a spiritual director and he knows my struggles and i can share those things with him because in the light is where God lives in the darkness. If we can't talk to someone sometimes about these things, someone that we can trust, someone who's spiritual, who loves the Lord, uh, then the devil gets in on that and he starts to tie us in the knots that you deserve this, you'll never change, this is the way it's always going to be, uh, you think you're special. He's a liar and he knows where we hurt and he just kind of wants to keep that wound open. Now God is going to heal that wound definitively forever, someday, when and how, I don't know, but uh, that might be a wound that he permits because it keeps us close to him. It it reminds us to pray. It reminds us that other people carry crosses. I'm not the only one. And it's not a punishment. The Lord would never do that to you, Anne, or to any of us. But he, he will permit us to carry a cross, a thorn in the flesh, and his grace is sufficient, and he'll walk with us. But sometimes it's good to share that with someone, if it's a spouse or a spiritual friend or maybe a spiritual director, somebody in a parish, just to say, you know, it's hard right now. Would you please pray for me? And um, and that that solidarity that comes through suffering is uh, powerful. It forges bonds that nothing else except for suffering can really bring about a friendship that is uh, not even the devil can crack it. So that's where we, uh, by being vulnerable a little bit uh, with some of those things, with some people at some times, uh, really makes a difference. So God bless you, Anne. It's a, a beautiful you know, insight that you've shared. Yeah, thanks for calling. And again, if you're listening and you'd like to call in and speak with Father Sam Martin, the phone number is 888-914-9149. As today we're talking about the reality of the, the spiritual battle that wages around us, that we are a part of by virtue of following Christ, by being his disciples. And how do we prepare ourselves? How do we deal when we are in the midst of some of those spiritual battles? You're welcome to speak with Father Martin at 888-914-9149. You can also email us 
innerlife at relevantradio.com. We do need to take one more quick break, but we'll be right back here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Are you battling an addiction? Our sponsor, St. Gregory Recovery Center, can help you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com slash Gregory. That's relevantradio.com slash Gregory. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, joined today by Father Sam Martin. He is the pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin, talking today about spiritual warfare and inviting you to join the conversation with your phone call at 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. Also want to say a big welcome, hello, to those of you who are listening in Detroit. Relevant Radio, we just went on the air on AM 1030 there in the Detroit area, along with four other FM stations that kind of cover the entire metro. So uh, you can get a complete listing of all of our stations in Michigan and across the country at our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. And if you uh, have friends or family that happen to live listen, uh, live in the Detroit area, make sure to tell them to listen to Relevant Radio now. They can do that in their car, on the radio, of course. Uh, but always stream us online at relevantradio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. But again... Hello, if you're in Detroit, glad to have you part of the Relevant Radio family, listening in. Uh, Yeah, and my producer, Nick, apparently is a really big fan of your pizza out there. So um, (laughs) I'm probably more partial to the thin crust, but hey, I'll I'll take pizza of almost any kind any day. I won't turn it down. Again, talking with Father Sam Martin. And uh, Father... Uh, as as we talk about, you know, the reality of the spiritual warfare, the attacks we can face, one of the things you mentioned right before the break when you were talking with Anne is realize Satan is a liar, you know, and, and when you said that, I thought, oh, you know, he is a liar, but he is so cunning because he fills his lies with so much truth. And, you know, even when we look at Jesus out in the wilderness and he's fasting and he is then tempted by Satan, what does Satan tempt him with? He quotes scripture to him. He uses the very words that have been inspired by God to try and tempt the second person of the Holy Trinity himself. And it's only because Christ himself knows scripture better, knows God better, that he's able to respond. You know, I mean, it, it, there's there's something very important for us to take away here that we shouldn't be intellectual slackers when it comes to knowing our faith. You know, we, we want to make sure that we have really put in our time to try and understand who God is. You know, I mean, going back to what you said, you spent 30 days in a silent retreat. What did you learn? Well, you learned that God loves you. You know, I mean, going back to some of the basics that we need to know God, we need to know who God is. You know, the, those things are so important, and we can't just kind of uh, think we're going to wing it, you know, when it comes to spiritual warfare. Yeah, he's, uh, he's full of malice, and uh, he's a gifted fallen angel. What can we say? He exceeds us in so many ways, but he has refused to obey, and so now he's not free. And uh, he's actually fairly predictable, but you don't want to 
uh, play any games with, you know, that he wants you not to think that he exists, or if he does, he's he's the good guy. I mean, he's on your side. He really cares, and um, so we uh, we do learn. I mean, the screw tape letters and other things like that that kind of help us to say, here are things that we've learned about how the devil operates. I mean, he's a uh, he's a smooth guy, and uh, pretty soon before you know it, he's got you. And it was just uh, different things. He can use fear, pride, uh, lots of portals that he can kind of sneak on into our life. And then he makes a mess of things. But, uh, you know, prayer and fasting, especially the Blessed Virgin Mary, her heel is still, you know, decidedly on his head. So uh, there are ways that God teaches. And he says, these are the things that if you do these things, that you will be blessed and others besides. So it's just the world is... um, so often in a state of denial, like we're fine, we can handle it, uh, you know, that he made me do it, she did it, it's, you know, well, I mean, these things, uh, we need a savior, and maybe the devil convinces us of that more than anyone else on the planet, he becomes a, you know, an unwitting ally, this is what St. John Vianney discovered, is that when somebody was about to come back to the faith after 40 or 50 years make a good confession, the uh, devil would really give John Vianney a hard time, so he began to suspect, he he kind of got wind of that, oh, that's what's happening. we got a, someone, a big fish on, he used to say. Someone is coming back to the sacraments. So the devil didn't intend to help John Vianney, but he did uh, mm-hmm. become a better pastor. And he can, the devil can do that uh, because God can draw good out of anything. That's the crucifix as a perennial reminder that bring our evil, our brokenness, our sadness, our deaths that we experience in our life, and let the Lord, uh, there's always the seed of the resurrection. And the devil didn't know that, apparently, at Calvary. And he's shocked. I mean, he's, uh, you know, and he's enraged by it. And he will be until the end of the world. But uh, we, those of us who believe in the Paschal Mystery, have every reason to bring our deaths, our sins, our suffering, so that otherwise the devil will use it against us. Number one, it's not a sin. Don't worry about it. Everybody does it. Or he wants you to feel so bad about it that I'm a terror. God couldn't love anybody like me. Well, <laughs> Neither of those things are true, but uh, that's how the devil, he pounces. He's got lots of different tactics there. It's a minefield that, uh, (laughs) I mean, only with the grace of God could anybody get across it. Yeah, well, you know, one of the other things I wanted to go back to that, you know, when when you were talking with Salvador, you mentioned he's doing the right thing, starting out using holy water. Um, Holy water is a sacramental. You know, we have all kinds of different sacramentals we can use that can uh, allow us to have access to grace um, that will strengthen us, that will give us that that ability to resist temptation. But um, you also said, in referencing that story from St. John Vianney, coming back to the sacraments, you know, that that's where the true strength lies. And, you know, I've, I've, I forget who it's who said it it might be saint john vianney himself but basically one confession is more powerful than all kinds of exorcisms that that being able to go and have that sacramental confession that absolution being able to receive christ himself in the eucharist that should always be our true focus that's where everything should you know we we shouldn't look for the sacramentals or these other things if they are not first of all and foremost, supported by the sacramental life. There's nothing that comes close to Jesus and his sacrifice on the altar. I mean, these are the greatest powers in the universe, and because of the incarnation that God has come into our world now, so he's divinized uh, these, uh, well, these seven 
encounters with God. So to make a good sacramental confession, of course, I mean, this is where people, I know that it's hard for us to, to humble ourselves, and it, sometimes priests aren't so kind and don't receive us in the way that we hope, but uh, even so, I mean, to be forgiven of your sins, the devil loves to use our past against us. I mean, ask anybody that gets to be a certain age, and the devil loves to bring up all the things that, I mean, every time I go on retreat, it's an annual, I have to go through my past because God permits it, and the devil is going to you know, accuse me of these things. And But each time, a little healing happens, and so as the years go by, the scars aren't quite so painful. And by the time, please God, the end of my life, I'll, I'll remember that I was forgiven, and God has also forgotten those things. I haven't, but he has. And But the devil loves to bring up our past. Ask anybody as they're getting older, they like, did I confess that? I mean, that's a constant... Uh, battle that he's going to wage against our past and that's where the sacraments when people come to confession the priest can you know with competence say that those sins are forgiven and forgotten that's just a trap that's the devil he's working on you it's a good sign because you must be living a beautiful life and he's threatened by you but he's a bully I and mean, what do we do with bullies ignore them you know i mean don't give him your lunch money just tell him to go jump in a creek and just keep going because bullies thrive on attention so they say we have to scorn the evil one and the best way to do that is just stay close to the Blessed Virgin Mary because she's not, you know, pugnacious and she's out to pick fights. And no, nah, she just is calm. She's peaceful. She's loving. She's not, there's no fear in her. I mean, she experienced that when she was on this earth. Like, do not be afraid, Mary. You know, you've been found, uh, you know, that uh, uh, you've been given this great calling, right? But um, she doesn't feel any fear anymore. And that's why I think, I was saying last week, and I'll never write a doctoral dissertation, but if I did, I, I like the idea of like people that pray the rosary on a regular basis don't seem to lose their faith. I mean, I don't know. I, is that, can you prove it? I bet there's something about a devotion to Mary, especially when it comes to the evil one. Uh, he doesn't like her at all. And, uh, but she's, like I said, it's, uh, that's the prediction uh, right at the time of the Garden of Eden incident, the original sin, that, that she, he, the devil's going to nip at her, uh, but she's going to step on his head. And that's the way it is. And her son is the Messiah that God promised. And uh, this is how he pro it, salvation comes about. And those sacraments are an encounter with a God who created the devil. I mean, he was an angel at the time, and uh, but he gave him a choice. God couldn't create another God, so every other being is contingent, so they get a choice. And the angels, some of them said, no thanks. I'd rather rule in hell than to serve in heaven, you know, or this sort of thing. Reign in hell rather than serve in heaven. And Oh, what a terrible choice the devil made, and we're all affected by it. But, oh, happy sin, oh, necessary fault of Adam that won for us so great a Redeemer. No sin, no Easter, uh, you know, no sacraments. We don't get to be forgiven. Uh, you know, we don't experience the tender mercy of a God who understands us. These are the commercials you see on TV that uh, Jesus, he gets us, or he under, under something like that, I think. And uh, there's something to be said. There's yeah. some truth to that. Father, down to our last minute or so here, but one of the other things I wanted to ask you about, you know, where you made reference of Jesus himself talking about when the demons wouldn't come out of a boy, the disciples failed, that when the, the disciples asked, why did they fail? Jesus himself said, these, these kinds of demons do not come out except by prayer and fasting. We're in this season of fasting here in Lent. Uh, in our last minute, can you just give us some insight, the power that fasting has when it comes to spiritual battles? It's necessary because of the incarnation. It's a way of uh, aligning our body and our soul so that there's a greater spiritual humility, docility. There's something about 
the spiritual life affecting that the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. But if we embrace that weakness, and fasting is a, it reminds us of how weak we are, there's something, some beautiful fruits that come from that. And this was discovered, uh, you know, in other cultures too. But Jesus now, by, you know, embracing it, by teaching it, by asking his followers to, if you want to drive these demons out, and I give you an authority over them that you've not had before, but it, you're going to have to engage it. There are going to be some things that it's not just a, a magic trick. It's not just a, you know, we can just say a, whole, you know, a few little things. And no, I mean, the, the spiritual life is, a, is a, well, it's a full contact sport, right? Mm. You have to get in there, <laughs> and there's no uh, just wishing things yeah. away. we got to embrace things. So, Well, Father, always good to talk with you. We've got about 30 seconds left here for a final blessing for our listeners. May God bless, guide, and protect you during these holy days of Lent. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks again, Father Sam Martin, for being with us here. Thank you to Nick Sentovich, to Gabby Burke, for their help in producing the program. If you joined us late, of course, I always say it, go find the podcast. It'll be posted here shortly after the broadcast ends here. And you can find it in a few minutes at relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Coming up tomorrow, going to talk about Catholic education. What are some of the things that you should look for? Maybe if you're considering your children, if you're planning on having a family, what should you, what should you know? We'll talk about that tomorrow here on The Inner Life.